people say, oh, when are you going to be done investing? I'm like, I'm not done until everybody who wants to invest is invested. Like, I just want to change the world. I want people invested financially, but I want people invested in their personal development because like I've said before, you could have financial success and be completely bankrupt in your relationships, or you could have the relationships and be completely have a bankrupt bank account. And so it's like finding that harmony between the two of them is really important. Welcome to another episode of the Obsessed with Real Estate show. I am your host, Alana George, and I am obsessed with real estate. I have an amazing show for you today. I interviewed Julie Holly with Three Keys Investments, and she is an amazing human being, for one. I'll just say that right off the bat. And she is a high-performance coach as well as real estate investor. She hosts her own podcast, and she leads a book club, among other things, I'm sure. So she's got a lot going on. And I'm so excited to pick her brain. We talk a lot of book recommendations as well as what strategic partnerships are, conscious investing, and what that means to her, as well as her unconventional way of avoiding burnout. You'll have to hear it. It was not what I was expecting. And I absolutely loved her answer. So before we jump into the show, I just want to remind you that any of the books we talk about or any of the products, anything, you can find links in the show notes. I am an Amazon affiliate member, so you'd be supporting the show. And I greatly appreciate it if you hear any of the books that we mentioned today or or in a different episode, please check out the show notes and you can find an easy to find link there to the books as well as how to connect with me and the guest. So let's jump in. I am here with Julie Holly, founder of Three Keys Investments and the host of the show, The Conscious Investor Podcast. Welcome, Julie. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to chat with you and to interview you. So this is our first time meeting, but you've been on my list to like meet and chat with for so long, like probably seven months. I've been like reach out to you and chat. And we were both in Denver over the summer, but our paths didn't cross. And I was kicking myself for not like forcing that. Oh no. Yeah. So here we are. I'm so grateful that you volunteered for this. So I'm looking forward to deep diving into you, your story and, uh, you know, what you're, what you're up to. Cause people always say good things behind your back about you. I don't know if you're aware of that. Oh, that's so sweet. And now <laughs> yeah. I'm actually like so heartbroken that, that our paths haven't crossed that you've wanted to cross paths for seven months and we haven't. I'm like, oh my gosh, that hurt my heart. <laughs> like, well, it's the weirdest thing. People keep saying like, oh, you have to meet Julie Holly, like, like right off the bat. And so I'm like, oh, this Julie Holly person, I've got to meet her. Oh my gosh. Well, now we get to meet. Yes. So in front of the whole world. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we're recording the meeting. So it's really great because I I get like freedom to ask you (laughs) everything I want to ask. So by the way, uh, anybody I meet can ask me anything they want. Oh, okay. Okay. No microphones needed is what you're saying. No microphones needed. Got it. Okay. Always to support and serve. (laughs) Perfect. And I, that's probably why people say such great things about you, honestly. So not to overhype you, but let's dig in. (laughs) Tell me about yourself. What brought you to real estate investing and helping people with that and uh, how you got into this in general? You know, it's really fun. Recently, I I discovered as I started going, because people ask this question quite often and somebody uh, as I was reflecting upon it, I realized that Arnold Schwarzenegger is actually the reason I got into real estate investing. No, get out of here. No, it's crazy. I know. And and I really was thinking about it. So I was, a, I, I've, I'm an overachiever and I graduated a, f- a five-year college program early and I started school, like I was a school teacher at the age of 22. I was still a child and they entrusted me with like teaching an entire flock of children. Half of them didn't even speak English. You know, it's like, okay, you know, so I, t- I tackled this, right? And during that time in California where, where I lived, um, and it was for the state of California, Arnold had become the, the governor and he yes. had passed this legislation. And you're in California. Have yeah. you been there for long? Uh, yes. My, well, my whole entire life. Actually, fun fact. Okay. 
The first opportunity I got to vote when I turned 18 was when he was elected and I did vote for him. So I no yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. That was so cool. I I voted for him as well. I was excited. And and he did a lot of really great things. Yeah. Uh, We can go on and on about that. I love Arnold. Keep going. We really could. So this part could be a little bit controversial because some people might not agree with this. I don't know that I fully agree with it, but it benefited me and it started my real estate investing. He incentivized teachers with test scores. Hey, if your sanitized test scores are at a certain level, um, then you're going to get a bonus. I was still a new teacher. All of a sudden I got this bonus. I'm just doing my job, doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, not even thinking about that because it wasn't on my radar. Cause I was just a new teacher trying to be successful as a new teacher. That's like a lot right. of work to, to become good. You're just trying to keep your head above water with, yeah. uh, I'm sure lesson planning and their attitudes and the language barrier. And you weren't, I could totally all of it when you're new. All- yeah. You're just, you're just trying to stay afloat. And so that's all I'm focused on. Next thing you know, I get a $10,000 bonus check. So I'm making $27,000 a year as a public school teacher. You know, I have it. You know, you have a lot of education. Teachers are highly educated. So you have your regular degree and then you have a degree on top of that, basically. So I'm like highly educated, making $27,000 a year, a $10,000 bonus. That's basically a third of my income. That's a huge bonus. And my dad, my whole, my legacy in my family is residential real estate sales. And so my dad's like, you should buy a house. And he explained like the equity escalator and, you know, how to leverage and things like that. And I'm like, okay. So he helps me in the heat of the California market in the early 2000s. He helps me find my very first house, which is like this 1938 home. And it was just like the toilet sinking in the subfloor. It was just such a disaster. Um, but it was a competitive hot market. And the older couple who had raised their family there, they needed to move on. And obviously they couldn't care for the home anymore. And so, and, and they chose me. They're like, we like you. Like they sell a house off to me. So that's a pretty, pretty cool experience. What ends up happening is, you know, I restore this house and it's like, so just such a cute, charming house, but I'm still on this teacher income. And I decide like, okay, I have this extra room. If I have this extra room, I can have a little breathing space on my finances. And so hence before it even existed, and there was actually this name for it, mm-hmm. that was house hacking. It's like, okay, I can rent off part of what I have. And then you realize that benefit of like, huh, this is really nice. Um, And then flash forward, my husband and I both have a tremendous heart to serve people, especially people that are in the margins, people that are trying to reestablish themselves. Um, I did go through some difficult difficult times in my early adulthood. And so you kind of start looking at people trying to reestablish themselves and how challenging that could be. And we decided if we live off one income, if we live a modest lifestyle and we just buy a house and fix it up and then just rinse and repeat that process, we'll end up with a little, a nice portfolio and we'll be able to choose the residents on our own. And so we'll be able to, you know, be that, that place where somebody can actually go. They don't have to look great on paper, but we can choose them and we can support them in this capacity. And that was our heart's mission. Well, flash forward, you know, after our second child, it was kind of like, I don't know. I mean, that place is across the Rockies because we moved out to Denver and we rented out a condo we'd bought there. And I'm like, we had turned it over. I'd managed it successfully. It'd been fine. It'd been some years and, you know, turned over to three different residents over the years. And like, it's always gone well. We've always had the best residents, but it just felt extremely vulnerable. And that's when we discovered apartment syndication. And that's where I was like, maybe there's a better way to invest. Let me just go down that rabbit hole. And my husband, you know, is very supportive. He's like, well, why don't you do some research? Come back to me. Like, and then you do the research and then come back and we'll talk about what you find. And the moment I found apartment syndication, boom, my entire life came into like, everything came into focus and I haven't stopped. So what attracted you the most? I heard it's an easier way. Um, but tell me a bit about the the aspects about syndication that were attractive to you versus what you were doing, what you were, you know, buying, living in, right? Renting, uh, mm-hmm. fixing up. 
and then renting out and then repeating, right? So what was the difference for you that you saw? Well, the, the, it was a vulnerability. So I wanted, I was looking for something that was more secure, less vulnerable. So one of my greatest fears, especially after, and it's weird after we had our second child and, you know, it's just, it just felt more vulnerable. I mean, what if, and I don't like entertaining what ifs, I don't think that's a healthy lifestyle and I don't generally entertain the what if question, but I was, it kept asking myself like, oh my gosh, what if that tenant doesn't like that resident doesn't renew their lease and how's that going to go? And we always had so much in reserves. Like we always had more than enough in reserves, but it was always that what if, and then what will happen to our life? And so that I just felt so, um, I just started feeling so uncomfortable with that. When I discovered syndication, what drew me to that was, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. If I buy, we'll keep it easy. If I buy a 10 unit, which I don't buy 10 units, not that I wouldn't buy 10 units, but I like big things. If I buy 10 units, I have a business. I'm buying a business. It's already functioning. It's already operating. So number one, I'm not just buying a house. I'm buying an a business. So like going back to the house, if I need to replace the the fence or the roof or the water heater, those are chunks of money that are coming out. Water heaters, not so much, but you know, it's going to set you back a grand by the time you have somebody come and install it, you know, and how much of your, your profit is that actually your cash flow is that eating into? So you start looking at some of those implications versus, okay, if I have 10 units, I've got a, an operational business here with a business plan. I am planning that I'm going to have a vacancy factor in effect here. And I am planning um, for the roof and all these things, by the way. I have 10 residents in here versus one, and I only have one roof to take care of. How cool is that? Yeah. Versus if I have 10 different houses, I've got 10 roofs to take care of and 10 fence lines to take care of. And 10, if I don't know, maybe that you have something go wrong with the sewer system. That does happen. Tree roots yeah. do grow and things. So, so all of the liability is just mitigated at such a tremendous um factor that that really anchored me in saying like, oh my goodness, if we buy in this way, I will feel far safer and far, I will feel less vulnerable to the potential economic impacts that could come our way. And so that's what gravitated us towards that. But there was far more to it than that. That's like the, okay, this makes sense side But the other element was you need to look at what is my life's purpose? Who am I? And what am I here for? And what do I want to leave behind in this world? And what do I want to cultivate in this world? And it's this background in education that I have. I love to to teach people and educate people and encourage and support people. So this creates this whole dynamic for this, what I call the win, win, win. I feel like Oprah every day, everybody, <laughs> everybody wins because my investors are winning. They, and my investors are winning in bigger ways than a lot of people. Sure. They're gaining the financial element, but then they also get the win of, I provide super high quality housing to residents. They're not tenants. They're people with families and heartbeats. Like I get to help provide, you know, for one of their main, like every human being needs shelter. And when people live in a place where they feel safe and secure, then they're going to show up differently in the community and the community wins. So the syndication process, it was just like, I mean, I have my faith testimony and I have my real estate testimony and that right there is like, oh my gosh, this is why God created me. This is why I have the background that I have. It's prepared me so I can serve the world in this capacity. Oh my goodness. You are giving me goosebumps. Um, I have so much to dive into. Uh, first off, what's interesting is, you know, I definitely think about the ability to provide housing and how much good that is like quality housing, not being mm-hmm. a slum Lord, mm-hmm. right. Taking care of your, your residents, not tenants. That's an interesting change of words there, but it's true. Right. Um, fixing things when they needed to need to be fixed, right. Making sure it's safe. Um, treating them fairly. These are all things that I know have a great impact. But when you said how that 
trickles into the rest of their lives. That's what kind of shook me because that's not something I've really put as much thought into as far as how they show up at work, how they show up Mm -hmm. in their families as parents, right? Mm -hmm. When they feel stable, they are able, right? When their cup is Mm -hmm. full, have a foundation, they can really affect their community and everybody around them better. That's just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it really is amazing. This is why a lot of a lot of times people say, Are you going back to teaching? I'll bump into former students and they'll like, Oh, you should go back so you could teach my brother or sister or whatever, right? Or parents will say that. And and I say, I really appreciate that right now. My my point, my purpose right now is to educate grown-ups in this powerful way because it, it like just being able to provide that even on the passive investor side so that now the passive investor is fueling these type of investments. And so they're having a ripple effect. So this has this, like everything is intertwined. Everything is connected. And when we show up, we, we change the world together. And this is why your show is called the conscious investor. <laughs> this is ex- Yes. This is why the show is called the conscious investor because everything is intertwined. <laughs> this show is just a plug for your show and that's fun. <laughs> that's why I always plug my guest shows because it, yeah. it's always so fun. <laughs> so funny. Yes. So such amazing stuff that we don't always talk about, right? I think that with real estate, it's t- easy to talk about the deals, the money, right? Um, scaling, relationship building, which is great, networking and all, you know, it's all encompassing, but the greater good is really what's going to take us the furthest, I think, and finding your calling. So and it will fill our finances as well. Like when we are leaning into our purpose, when we are living intentional lives, good businesses thrive when they have good business practices. It's not because they have a better product. It's because they offer a strong ethos, right? And so the same is true for us as investors. Like if if we have a strong ethos that we're taking action upon, the investors come and we're able to do powerful things. So why don't we go ahead and jump into what does your current portfolio look like? Yeah. Um, right. So I, I have 68 strategic units, uh, and then I have, I don't really keep track of it too much. So let's see. There's, well, before I, did... you move on, I have to know, can you define what a strategic unit mm-hmm. is? Yeah, definitely. That is where I went into a partnership and I'm not on the actual general partnership. And so I can't, I don't claim those as GP, but I am participating in an offering is a really great situation. Um, Some people would laugh at this. I I have a really strong uh, conviction that we need to make sure that as if we are on the general partnership, if we're active investors and we're bringing in limited partners, our passive investors who have no voting rights, then it's the, it's critical that we really understand and know what we are executing upon. And so honestly, it's like a mentorship, that strategic partnership. I have zero compensation, but I have involvement in it. And that is like where I'm, I was able to, you know, get a start without feeling um, fractured, without feeling like I'm compromising limited partners in any capacity at all. So it's like a training wheel type thing. Um, And most people say that's absolutely ridiculous. Anything you should do should be compensated for. But I know that I'm bringing in a hundred thousands and millions of dollars into, you know, into deals. I want my investors, I call it layers of insulation. Every one of my limited partners needs to understand that I am willing to put myself on the line to make sure I'm, I, you know, back then it's like, I need this education. I want to be excellent. And I want you to know that I've gone through things on my own so that you won't have any negative experiences. <laughs> You're, it's <laughs> the just buffer. education and, and, you know, you, just like you went, to, you did a five-year program accelerated uh, in college. Okay. It's the same. You paid for that. You worked. 
yeah. right? You you yeah. worked. There was homework and there was tests and everything. And yeah. you actually paid the school for that. And this is the same scenario where you're getting an education. Uh, you're doing work, you're shadowing, right? And you're you're not getting paid uh, for that time. You're, you're getting paid in education. And I think that that's really critical. And I think that that's a way of learning apprenticeship that isn't mm-hmm. as popular somewhere along the line. I think that the idea of that has disappeared, right? Because at one time, that's how you learned a trade and right. got a job, Right. Uh, and now it's not as valued for some reason in society and it's discounted a lot, but I think people like you that actually pursue that, you know, end up gaining a lot of respect for it. And, you know, you have the education and you didn't have to test anybody else's money right on, on learning. So I think that that's, there's so much value to that. I love there that. is. And knowing, who, knowing who you're partnered with, I'm very aware I have, you know, I don't partner with people I haven't known for a year. I, I'm like, I need to know you for a year. I want to collaborate with you. I want to create some level of content or something. I like to break bread with people. Like I like even that as one of our layers of insulation for our pat, limited partners is like, we, d- we vet people thoroughly And so, and also learning good practices. So being in that strategic partnership initially was like absolutely phenomenal because I knew who the partners were and those were people I want to be like, and what they're doing now is like exorbitantly more like, I can't even fathom walking. I like, I just look at what they're accomplishing and like, oh my gosh, I don't know that I want that. That's all all order. Like, but it's exciting because they have such strong grounded business philosophy and investment philosophy that that's who I want. I I want to surround myself by people like that. And so all of my partnerships, so like 120 units in Des Moines, Iowa, I don't care where I'm invested. I care who I'm invested with and what the business plan is and what, you know, obviously I'm looking at, you know, what is going on in that specific market, but I look at that was on my short list of people I wanted to partner with like that, mm-hmm. that company. And those people are like, I, people I want to emulate. So it was like a heck yeah, I want to partner with you when they, when they gave me the offer. So that that's great. 120 in, in, um, in Des Moines, Iowa. And then we have um, just closed on a portfolio. It's 123 units in Minneapolis. Again, people that I like partners that I've known for two years and that I've, you know, just watched and admired. It's like, okay, this makes sense. I've watched you grow your business. We've collaborated on a lot of projects. I love how you go about things. And because the deal starts, the deal actually starts when you close. It's not like we closed. No, that's the starting line. And so like knowing who you're partnered with is critical. And then I'm actually partnered up with um, a really strong team and I love it. We're doing um, a ground up development in North Carolina of uh, um, up to 184 units. So class A. That's amazing. And then I have a limited, you know, I'm passively invested in it as well. That's a lot going on. It's exciting. And you have your podcast. And you're a mom. That's wonderful. You're wearing a lot of hats here. I hear a lot of really good gems. Uh, ones that stick out is who over where, right? Mm-hmm. That sounds very strategic on your part. Um, very smart. It's the people because, you know, one without the other, right? You could have a great location, but if you don't have the team that mm-hmm. experience, the business plan, the know-how, the grit it's not, it's not worth your, it's not, it might not go anywhere. So that's a really strategic. I love that tip there. And it really sounds like this is like long-term thinking for you, right? Very you much so build relationships for two years before, you know, really, you know, sinking your teeth into a deal. Uh, I love that because a lot of times we get into, you know, this quick money or I need, I want something yeah. today. I talk to new people in syndications all the time that just want, they'll, they'll jump, you know, jump into anything. Right. And that's yeah. not the philosophy that you've taken. It sounds like. No, I have taken a very, and that, that was part, that's partly my personal 
makeup. And then that's also the influence of um, like the most influential person in my investing life. And actually like someone I literally was like, uh, so we're working on our will right now. We're estate planning. If we die, can, can will you guide my kids in the real estate? Cause I can't trust any, I don't trust anyone else. And for that person to say like, yes, absolutely. I, I, and, and this person doesn't like have to do that. There's no, I mean, so much going on in the, in, in, the, you know, that life, but just that willingness to say like, yeah, I've got your real estate and like, it's nothing compared to what everything you've got going on, but I want to leave it to my kids and I want to know it's going to be intact if some random thing happened to my husband and I, right. So uh, it's <laughs> right. But when you have somebody that can, can truly guide and, and that's worked out well, because I've been receptive to the guidance, you can have the best guidance, but if you're, you know, pretentious, or if you think that you have it figured out, if your ego, ego is bigger than your willingness to learn, you would get left behind. And so every deal that I would look at, um, I would always run it by my financial Sherpa. I'd be like, that's my, I just, I nickname him. I'm like, it's just, I don't like name dropping. So I'm like, I just didn't nickname you. I ended up telling him about, it. I'm like, so I just refer to you as a financial Sherpa on the podcast and, and in life basically. Um, and so but I just, I run things by the financial Sherpa, I'll bounce ideas and it, he generously will allow me that space to do that. Um, and, and so for him to put me in check basically on all of my deals, because I have such a big heart, he's, he's appropriately tempered that heart with that business side. So that you could have a big heart, but it's going to do zero in the world if you can't execute well on it. And so he's really, you know, guided me in evaluating, you know, why am I doing this? Who am I partnered with? Like he's really shaped a lot of that. It was in me, but there was a lot of good guidance. So this sounds like a mentor of yours. You don't have to name job, but how did you meet this person? I met through a uh, Rod Cleef's warrior program. Yeah. Okay. And he Let's no longer. Yeah. We're, you, know, you and I are both a part of that's kind of how we're connected. I didn't mention yeah. that prior, uh, but yeah, that's where you, you met him. Yep. So I, you know, and I encourage everyone, whatever program you feel aligned with, I felt aligned with that program. We knew my husband, and I knew that we needed guidance in our real estate journey. If we were going, we could do the single family that and small, like we could do that, but like we wanted to do something bigger. And, and in doing that, the responsible thing is we need a higher level of education and we need a bigger community around us that understands how to do this because we want to do this with excellence. And so we took part of our investment money and invested it in ourselves. And in that process, I, you know, received a high performance coach and I received the most extraordinary mentor on the face of the earth. Like two, two people literally right before this, I was, you know, in a meeting with my high, high performance coach, who's also a business partner of mine, because we have a coaching community. So it's, like these two people are still central figures in my life. It's still very active in my life. And it's, it's been a tremendous blessing and reward. So it's very much worth it for you to invest in yourself. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just want to reiterate that you know, there's <laughs> a lot of fear around spending money and, and uh, spending money on mentorships and programs mm. and everything. There's this idea of we need to be able to figure this out on our on our own. And you're right. There's an extent that we could. And I, I definitely relate. I started buying single family homes and then realized like, do I want like hundreds of single family homes? Right. Is that, is that the end goal here? Like that's a mm-hmm. lot of work. And, and, and I too turned to multifamily, but I think there's a lot of value in having coaches, mentors, Huge. And it's, it can be a steep price tag sometime, but like you said, if they align with you, you know, you got to learn, learn what you're doing. So you've shared with us where you're at in your investing business right now. Um, what are your current challenges with where you're at? Uh, yeah, you know, that was, that's a good question. And I did give that some thought earlier today. And, and um, the biggest challenge, honestly, is being present everywhere. It's mm-hmm. like, I really like to, like you said earlier, 
oh, I wanted to talk to you for like the last seven months. And I'm like, oh, that breaks my heart. You know, like I, I want everyone to be able to just go like, I can get in touch with Julie. And, you know, I mean, unfortunately I have a calendar and I have to like, it's just because I want to be in touch with people. I'm like, okay, well hop on the calendar. Cause then I can connect. Right. Yeah. And so, but it's hard. Um, and so now I'm in this process of, of also replicating myself and empowering other people. And so, you know, true leaders aren't about like, it's, it's not the all about me show. It's the all about us show, right? Like we, we are the world. We are the people that make the world run. And so like, how do we support each other? And so I'm just really learning how to navigate this new point that I've never experienced in my life where I feel like there's not enough of me, but there needs to be more of me. And I think that to me, that's that red flag to say, if there needs to be more of me, then that means that I need to empower more people Mm -hmm. because it's not that they need me. It's that we need more people to show up and to be elevated and to be rising into positions of leadership so that more people are served and the process is replicated. Yeah, that's such a high level awareness. There is a, you know, it's a a bit of an ego trip to be needed so much, right? Our ego likes that to need, need to be everywhere for everybody, but to really put that in check and realize that this, this is the next step of your calling is to, you know, be sure that you're showing up for people and, and raising them, right? teaching them to fish, uh, mm-hmm. you know, doing that for them. And that's, that does take another skill set. I think there are people like you that are naturally good at it, right. That have a magnetic personality that, um, naturally will lift the spirit of others. And then there's also skill sets that go along with that. So I'm sure that that's a process as well. Right. Yeah. That it is interesting. And that's the value of working. I mean, I, I do um, offer high performance coaching to people and I am still working with my high performance coach. And I, I read constantly. I probably have three books going at all times, if and maybe four for including audiobooks, um, and then the podcast, right? Right. But I'm, I'm constantly in that pursuit and having that guidance, having a high performance coach in my life, um, and being able to go deeper and to stay aligned within myself. I do that in the mornings. To me, my faith is my number one central point of connection and alliance. And then to, you know, use these things to really augment that and to enhance that is really, it's absolutely powerful. And so, you know, working with the coach is like the biggest part that has made that possible. Okay. You're cutting out just a little bit. I think it's because uh, of your it's North day. Idaho internet, <laughs> North Idaho internet. We're going to blame for this. Yes. <laughs> it isn't snowing there, is it? There is snow on the ground and it's supposed to snow in a few hours. Okay. So I'm on the Canadian border. So yeah, that's way up there. You are. How remote is that? Sorry to change the subject, but. Uh, It's I'm six hours south of Calgary and I'm an hour and a half away from Spokane or hour and a half away from Coeur d'Alene which a lot of people know. Um, so that's the nearest target. Most people can reference target. So target is an hour and a half away. If I want to go. <laughs> that is far AF. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Definitely not like my California life or my Denver life. Definitely a completely different life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, my, I, I live in a remote town in the mountains, but my nearest target was still within an hour and I just okay. got in 30 minutes. So I'm pretty much wow. living my life now. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. And your bank account, it's probably showing in your bank account. <laughs> I know. So yeah. I su- I'm supporting a local business. Don't yes. <laughs> so uh, thank you for, for sharing about the current challenges. Uh, that's very powerful. And I love hearing that, especially from somebody who's at a different stage than I am. Right. So that's really cool. And now 
I'd love to hear a bit of a brag from you, something that you're proud of, toot your own horn, toot toot, let her rip. It's not always easy, but I'm asking you. So what are you really proud of yourself for right now? I'm on mission and it's working. I mean, I'm out to serve and support people and, um, it's just, it's so exciting. It gives me chills and it's not just me like listener. You you're doing this too, whether or not you realize that we all have an impact on the lives around us. And I'm seeing that impact. And it's just, it's so exciting and invigorating to know that I have been able to play a small role in people's lives and empowering them to take that next step or that first step. So like supporting and watching my very first time limited partners make their first investment is so exciting because I know what's, I know what that is going to start for their financial future. And then knowing um, I recently started a local women's entrepreneur group and just seeing what's happening within these women. I went through a period of loneliness and, um, and God brought me through that. It was really a productive time. I just thought, you know, where, where the other female entrepreneurs and I just feel lonely and I don't have this type of ability to connect, but then to not complain, but to, to just start piecing people together and to see this amazing group of women coming together, supporting people, you know, coming to a point where they can quit their job and go into their own business full time. And so it honestly, that's like the biggest, like best thing in the world that just makes me and like my coaching clients, like, oh my gosh, some of them just watching them flourish, like, and just over the past year, take these monumental steps uh, in towards the life that they want. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. People are so absolutely amazing and we all have that role, but I don't think we all recognize it. So that's one of the brags I have is like, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing the, the, the hard work pay off. That's definitely motivating and beautiful in its own. Would you say that that the motivation and the fulfillment that you get, as well as I hear you mention a lot of faith, is that what fuels you and prevents burnout? Or are there any other things that you do wearing all of these hats, doing all these business ventures that you're, that you have, is, is there anything else like, or is that what keeps you from feeling burnt out? You know, burnout comes when we're not on our right path. So if you're listening and you're feeling burnt out, that's anytime I start to feel burnt out, that's a red flag indicator to me that I need to step back. It means I'm overextended and I'm not fully in my lane that I need to be like my zone of genius. I'm not there. And so I need to take a step back and say like, okay, let me get realigned. And usually I realize like, hmm, yeah, I'm overextended. I said, yes, because this is a good idea. And that's a good idea. And that one, da, da, da. And I shouldn't be in all those places. Again, we're not, it doesn't have to be the us show. It's the we show or like the me show. It's, it is the us show and it's the we show. And so like realizing like, okay, these are all really good ideas, but that one ultimately isn't aligned with what I, my ultimate purpose and mm-hmm. calling. And that's a great idea, but I need to leave that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the point. So anytime you hear you, you feel like you're getting burnt out, just evaluate where your time, do a time audit, do an energy audit, and make sure it's all aligned. Because when we are operating in our zone of genius, there's no burnout. It's fun. It's not work. It's rewarding. It's challenging. It's not like your brain doesn't sweat, but you know you're in the right place. And so you just want to keep going. It's the best addiction ever. <laughs> well, I have an addictive personality. So I am totally into that. And I love this term zone of genius. Yeah. I think that it's we- not mine. And I can't, yeah. re- I don't recall the author off the top of my head. So I feel terrible about that. Yeah, I've heard it before, but it's not a term I generally use, you know, I, you know, being in the flow or just being aligned mm-hmm. zone of genius. I think we can all relate to being in our zone at some time or another. And I think that fine tuning what those activities were and what they are, and then aligning ourselves with those is very powerful. That was so insightful. 
I mm-hmm. thought you were going to say something like you take Epsom salt baths and go for <laughs> hikes or something. I mean, I, I do a lot of self-care and everything, but you know, going to zone of genius though, this is critical even as you grow a team. And so I have um, an assistant who I, you know, a virtual assistant, but I consider him a partner and he knows that I'm like, I, this could not run without you. I, I can't like, you're an integral part of the company and, and always evaluating, okay, what's important to you? What are you finding joy in? And what are you finding, you know, like, what are you not enjoying? And I think a lot of bosses don't ask that. And you know, we've been working together for over six months now at this point, but it's, it's interesting because he's like, he's like, you're not, I said, I'm not like other bosses and I want you to do what makes you happy. And when we have, it sounds so counterproductive, but when we all show up and we, we play and we do the things that make us happy, we create the most beautiful things. And some people that is beautiful spreadsheets and that's beautiful underwriting. And for some people that's beautiful social media or, and I'm being super general, but like do more of what you love and allow the people around you the space to operate in their zone of genius so I like, I'll bring someone else on for the detail part and let him go in his thriving. And I'm just going to double down on everybody's strengths. Yes. I'm getting more comfortable with that and delegating, you know, the older I get, the more I realize I can't do everything. And the more I self-aware I am with my strengths, right. You know, previously beating myself up for not, uh, doing the things that I'm not good at, or that don't bring me joy. Right. We I've heard procrastination is, you know, uh, an indicator of things that don't bring us joy. And there's a reason why we procrastinate. Yeah. Instead of beating ourselves up, look at the task itself. And chances are the tasks that you procrastinate the most on, or I procrastinated the most on, I'll speak for myself, were all of the same. They were all nitty gritty detailed stuff that was going to take a part of my brain that took more energy. It felt heavy. And, you know, I heard that once in a book and I, I'm, I'm not like sure which one, but same as you, I I'm not sure, but it felt like a release to me, like, mm-hmm. like a weight off of my shoulders of I'm not a bad person. Yeah. I just need to recognize the things I like doing and I'm good at, and I'm in the zone and feel light to me and the things that don't, that somebody else could find joy doing, right. And gift that to them. Right. And it is a gift. It's like asking an introvert to go to all the networking sessions. Like, oh my gosh, no, the introvert is not going to find joy in that, but the extrovert is going to love it and flourish and it will help everybody grow and thrive. So there are three books and I'll probably remember two of them. Peter Drucker wrote a very brief book. Um, it was for the Harvard Press and then they released it as a book. It's called um, Managing Oneself. It'll take anybody an hour to read. And I read it this summer in an hour. And my husband brought me a cocktail because he's into handcrafted cocktails. Right now I'm doing 75 hard, so I'm not enjoying handcrafted cocktails, but I could read it in an hour with one of his delicious cocktails. That's my point. Um, yeah. All that to say, he he drives that point home. Do what you love. Do more of what you love. If you do not like what you're doing, and he's an extremely accomplished person. He's, he's you know passed along now, but I mean, he's left behind so many gems in the business space. It's like, it will cost you more to try to do things that you don't find joy and fulfillment in. Pass it along. Someone else will find joy in it. And then um, Michael Neal has a book, Super Coach, which everyone should read both of those books because Michael Neal talks about doing what you love. And that was my first exposure to that concept to really kind of mull it over. And it's really changed how I do everything. Yeah. Very powerful. And, uh, I don't know if you were jumping into the book recommendation questions or you have other ones for that, or that's just for this specific. Anyone who listens to me is probably like, I'm surprised that she hasn't already had five other recommendations. And usually they call me, they they usually call me the book Houdini because usually I have like, I'm normally I would actually just reach over and grab it or I probably have it right here because usually I'm just like, oh, you mean this book or this? (laughs) It's just weird. It works that way. 
That is so funny. I almost did the same. I have um, on those same lines, I have Kate Northrup's Do Less. Did you read that one? I have not read that one. This was it's along those lines. It's along those lines as far as, you know, leaning into your strengths so that you can accomplish Mm -hmm. more while doing less. Mm -hmm. And um, that one, and I didn't, I've mentioned this book in, in, on my show before. Um, but I also forgot to mention that it was really interesting. She ties in woman's monthly cycle with flow of energy, which was really interesting slash, you know, or you can time it with the moon, like because of Mm -hmm. anybody with kids knows if it's a full moon, your kids are going wild that day. There's definitely all of humanity is all of you. You ask anybody that works in EMS (laughs) and they will tell you, oh, it's a full moon. Like, yeah, it's wild. Yes. And you as a teacher could probably support that. So Um, that's a really, really good book, uh, and changed the way that I started thinking this year and Mm. led led me here. So anyways, I'm also a bookworm. So I'm excited to hear. I love it. I wrote it down. Like it's on the list. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a really good one. And it's, it it is specific. It's written specifically for women, but it definitely could apply across the board. And it's also really helpful. Um, I run a book and networking club and we read Jenna Kutcher's book. How are you really, which everyone should read. It's so good, but it is definitely written for a female audience and for, for women entrepreneurs really specifically, if you want to get down to it. But I mean, our group is made up of men and women. And, and so it's like, it was really, I think helpful. Uh, the gentlemen in the group, it wasn't necessarily their favorite book, but they read it and participated in the conversation and she didn't get into cycles or anything, you know, that feminine, but it was just written in a different way. And it's so important for us to read into different genres, you know, and if we are, you know, even if you're, you know, a female that has more masculine energy, like reading those can just provide a different insight. And that's what reading should do. It should provide like a whole different perspective so that you understand something in a new way. Yeah. Very powerful. I definitely recommend that. Keep the book recommendations coming. I love them. I'm on the list too, even though I'll go back and watch this. It's like, I want to Google them, look them up right after I get off of this. So what would some advice be to a beginner just starting out thinking about real estate, not really sure where to start? What would you say to this person? I would say surround yourself by people that you want to be like. Surround yourself by people who are already doing what you want to do, that they have proven results so that you're not recreating anything. And that will likely, you will find even better people if you are willing to pay to play. And that is a reality. Everything that I have done, every time I have invested in myself, it has opened up doors that I would never have, I would otherwise not have access to and people I'd otherwise not have access to. And that has uh, made my investment journey a very different journey than a lot of people who choose to struggle. And we don't have to choose to struggle. Money is a tool. That's all it is. We have time. Time's a tool. We have energy. We have talents. We have money. It's just another tool in the tool shed. And so when we look at it like that and say, okay, well, I could use all of my energy and my time and my talents. That's three resources that you're you're bleeding out, or I could just use money and use that tool. So like really evaluate how you're looking at your resources and how, what the best use of those resources is. I love that. I love that advice. Very uh, practical. I I love that. And now I want to shift gears a little bit and I want to hear about your biggest inspiration and it can be anybody, it could be anything, any place, you know, what comes to mind when I ask you, uh, who or what is your biggest inspiration? You know, I was filling out the, like going through some of those questions before the show and 
I believe in that our, our subconscious mind really guides and directs us really powerfully. And so I literally put financial Sherpa. This is like the first person and first thing that came to mind because we're talking, especially because we're talking about investing, there are definitely like neck and neck, you know, like my, my high performance coach, you know, and there, there's some other people there, but um, I would say like my financial Sherpa and my high performance coach, like, but financial Sherpa went down first. I'm like, boom, just by nature of, um, this will be the third year that I'll have been sitting down to actually do go through goals with, and I had never gone through goals before. I'd never set goals. And just the fact that there was an invitation to, Hey, let's, um, I do goals. And I just said, can I look at your goals? And realizing like how personal those goals are like, wow, this person is so abundantly successful in the investment space and in so many spaces, but then to see the intentionality behind family relationships, like so intentional. And so that inspired me. So it's more than just financial Sherpa, but it's like, okay, well, what are my goals for my family before my relationships within my family? Let's get into the nuanced nitty gritty. And so I, that to me just brings everything full circle and, and I'm looking forward next week. We'll sit down and go through goals and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Goals get me going, <laughs> setting goals. And I'm in some groups we get together and there's something so personal and they should be goals should be so personal and specific to you. And it sounds like, you know, re- relationships within your family with different family members, right? That's so powerful mm-hmm. and sharing that with some somebody gives power to you, but it also gives power to that person to also do the same. And you feel yes, somebody, and it's, there's just so powerful there. They bring people together. They bring you closer to where you want to be. And I'm all about them. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And I think that's maybe for me, one of the most vulnerable things I like, I, that might be more vulnerable. That'd probably be the most vulnerable thing I would share with people, <laughs> like the real goals you yeah. know, behind everything. Cause they are, if you're writing meaningful goals that you and goals that should be something that you are actually determined to take action on, not just dreams. And so like, that's vulnerable. And I think that that's why there's a bit of fear sometimes around setting goals. There's a fear around being vulnerable and sharing and fear around, well, if I write it down and I don't achieve it, what does that mean about me? I'm not sure if you've ever run into mm. that with any coaching clients or people, but that's a you know something I've seen uh, with, with friends and stuff that don't set goals because there's a fear of not achieving them. Is Mm -hmm. that something that you've experienced? Quite often, quite often. And I've personally experienced that. And so really redefining, like, why am I writing these things down? So the only goals that are getting written down are, are things that are of meaning and substance, something that I actually want to execute on. And then to also like give that breathing space. I recently released an episode on goals and setting and morning routines and things like that. I kind of just bundled it. And, and it's like, we have to have adaptation to our goals. And so a lot of times we're trying to create our goals based upon other people. And it's like, oh, I want to be like you. So I'm going to make these goals. So, but we can't do that. Like our goals need to be inspired goals so that they're inspired by the people that we want to grow into that like, oh, they're further ahead on the path. Okay. But we have to adapt them to who we are. And then we need to adjust them along the way with what circumstances bring. Nobody saw interest. Well, not nobody. We saw the interest rates. We knew the interest rates are going to go crazy, but you know, it's like, we didn't realize they were going to go up this much, this fast necessarily. Uh And, and some of the dynamics. And so some of the investing goals have shifted for people. They should shift. We have to adapt and adjust to what is the circumstances, what the playing field is now looking like. And so it's nothing personal. And if you're showing up on a daily basis and you're putting in your effort to reach your goals, then it's like that. Um, there's a book and I have not read it yet, but I know the understand the concept, the gap and the gain. Yes. It's like, 
okay, great. So let's focus on the gain. The gap is a really small spot. Let's focus on what, how, like how far did we go on this? Yes. Yeah. I heard someone speak on, uh, on that subject, the gap and the gain. And, uh, I, I don't know if it was the author or somebody affiliated with it at invest her con this year. And that was very powerful to hear, uh, focusing on how far you've come. And you're absolutely right. Goals change and your goals list is a living document as, as they say, Mm -hmm. and it should be. And if you're analyzing it and changing direction, that's, that's okay. That's better than not having a roadmap at all. Right. Mm -hmm. I set goals for the year in uh, December, January, and sometimes by mid year, and I do quarterly as well. Sometimes by Mm -hmm. mid year, I look back and I'm like, that's not important to me or plans changed, right? That's no longer something that I care to achieve anymore. But at the moment it felt right. important and I put it on yes. there and, you know, I substitute it with other things and I still feel fulfilled and never do I think, you know, uh, you know, or I have to replace the thought of feeling like mm-hmm. I let myself down because the path shifted. And that's, that's just responding to life versus reacting and trying to make something for something because we get new information all the time. And that new information shifts. And if we're growing, which we should be always growing as people, then, then our perspective is going to be shifting. And now we, we might not be aligned with something and we need to be aware, very receptive of that. Yes. So now I've come to the question of a book recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) I've already referenced a few of my favorites. Um, but I have, I have such anything, all things, Ryan holiday, hands down, everyone should just digest Ryan holiday constantly. Cause that's just so great. Mike, I'm looking at some of my favorite books. I'm like trying to just pick one. I'm going to say that probably for most people, Brendan Burchard's book, um, high performance habits. Okay. That is a for if you are a high performer, you might you might not even identify as a high performer, but uh, you might identify by relate to feeling frustrated because you want more in life, and people think that you're crazy, and you feel like you have capacity to serve in a different way and with more you have capacity to do more in the world, and yet people are like, why do you want to spend your time? Just go like chill out. And, and so reading that book, honestly, as a, as a high performer, that really helped me see myself in a different way. And I noticed that our, that's actually the foundational book of the book club. It was the very first book we ever did. And when we finished, uh, my friend Lawrence Laddie was like, so what's the next book going to be? And so I'm like, this is supposed to be one book wonder peace out. And, 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 you know, almost three years later, we're still at it. So all that to say, that book is really trans- insightful and it offers a lot of good practical uh, questions to ask yourself and exercises that you can do that will really um, accelerate your understanding of who you are and your place in the world and how to go about that. I love that. And it's going on my list. I don't think that I've uh, listen to it. And if I did, it was years ago. I have to go through my audible. Right. <laughs> I think it's free. If you want to look, check out his podcast, if you're listening okay. and you're like, I don't have audible, please get audible. It's the best $15 you can spend each month. Um, and they own us, they own my husband and I, because I mean, we have such a good collection or like, if we, <laughs> if we leave, like we lose our collection to, they did a good, that was like really clever on their part, but, um, I think you can actually listen to the entire book, high performance habits, uh, maybe season two of his podcast, but he's done some different things at this podcast recently. So, and then, uh, what was his name again? Brendan Burchard. Brendan Burchard. Okay. We'll put a link to that. Yeah. Highly rec. I highly recommend it. It's really, I've watched it transform lives and that my coaching practice is based upon that book. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that, was, that was a very impactful book for you. It's huge. And, and Hey, going back to Oprah, he's like Oprah endorsed. <laughs> well, if Oprah endorses him, <laughs> Oprah endorses him. Exactly. No. Well, super phenomenal. Julie share with the listeners and I, what are you currently obsessed with? 
Oh my gosh. What am I not obsessed with? I, when you are clear about what you're doing, you're just, you get to be so obsessed and I love it. I am absolutely obsessed when I'm looking at where I'm going for, you know, the next year and beyond. I always say like, people say, oh, when are you going to be done investing? I'm like, I'm not done until everybody who wants to invest is invested. Like, I just want to change the world. And that really needs to be broken down into something more tangible, I realized. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I really want to support 50 people. I'm really obsessed with this. Like, I want to support 50 people, but I do that in two ways. Like, I want people invested financially, but I want people invested in their personal development because like I've said before, you know, earlier, it's like you could have financial success and be completely bankrupt in your relationships, or you could have the relationships and be completely have a bankrupt, you know, bank account. And so it's like finding that harmony between the two of them is really important. So my goal is to help through my investing company and through my coaching practice to like really support people in leading that life to where it is absolutely fulfilled. So I'm looking for, I'm like 50 people is my goal. That's my goal right now. Perfect. Well, you're doing the right thing, putting it out there. Yeah. um, We'll get to the plug in just a minute. Now I would love to hear about Julie Holly, a boring fact or like just a fact that people don't know, or you generally wouldn't have a platform to talk about. I think most people know that I love people so much and I just light up when I'm around people, but I love my alone time. I love being alone. I'm out here in my little studio that I converted this little outbuilding on my 10 acres. And I am like, I love being out here all alone. <laughs> and I just love being, a, I have an introverted side to me that just is like hidden inside. I love that. That's really great. I love to be alone, but. I also have a toddler. So I feel like that's a bit of my need to be alone and I like be with my thoughts and my computer and I get to be like productive. And so it's a whole different thing that didn't mean the same to me being alone prior. So anyways, you touched on that. If anybody has kids or toddlers can relate, like just leave me alone for a second. Yeah. Let me just catch my breath in that time to unwind the thoughts and to just, I don't think we give ourselves enough space to just think and to take the time to actually think through what's think through our thinking. Right. Yeah. I think it was Brandon Turner, the old host who promotes or talks about how he takes, I think at least an hour, uh, you know, every Sunday or every week or something just to think Mm -hmm. just time. Like what a a different concept and so powerful, right? Because our brains are so powerful and to give them those, just the freedom of thinking, right? The the things that they can come up with. So yeah, everyone needs to be doing that. Like it's so critical to be taking time to let our brain just unravel and go down the rabbit hole. And so that's just take a walk, start by taking a walk for 20 minutes and letting your mind, I've been do I, I walk my dog every day for like 45 minutes, um, partly because I'm doing 75 hard and partly because I like to be outside and to break up my day because I sit a lot otherwise. And yeah. so it's it's nice, but you don't just turning on some music and go for a walk or have no music. I do that a lot too, but sometimes I just turn on some more like reflective type music without lyrics just to like, just calm your mind and let everything just fly. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. So what's next for you? Yeah. Next for me, it's just all about serving people. I'm like, I'm looking for my 50 people to serve. All right. <laughs> that's what, that's what's next. Somebody wants to get in touch with you, learn about your coaching program, learn mm-hmm. about any investing opportunities that you have, learn about your book club. Where can they find you? All of that you can access at julieholly.com. It'll be like the landing page for all of those things. Actually, I don't have a coaching page up. We're working on that right now. And by the way, it's snowing. Um, <laughs> I just, I think we, we talked about that earlier. It is yeah. snowing now. Um, snowing. So, but yeah, go, go to julieholly.com and I am available. If you pop on my calendar and book a call, like schedule a call, like I am absolutely available. So if you're interested in, in, um, you know, passively investing in apartment complexes, that's the place to go. Cause I am, 
it's a mutual, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's a mutual, we have to make sure it's an appropriate fit. We have to make sure there's an alliance in the goals because I don't in, include investors where their goals aren't going to be met through our investments. I actually send them on because I know a lot of people and yeah. people know. I'll say like, oh, well, actually, you know who'd be better? You're suited for this investor. It's really powerful. So, Oh, that's so smart. So smart. And the expectation setting with that is very powerful. You're so present and aware of what you're doing. And, you know, I love that about you. And I've loved this whole conversation. Thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. Um, I really appreciate your, you making time for me and uh, us finally connecting. Not not any fault on you. I want to be very clear. <laughs> I never reached out. I had these intentions and then never got around to it. So um, thank you so much for being here and sharing so much with us. I look forward to, you know, seeing where you go next and uh, following following you just a bit. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. It's been so much fun getting to know you because I've been listening. I've listened to your first, you know, episodes. I'm like, oh, well, it's, it's very lovely to meet the person behind the mic and the person I see in the warrior group. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. You enjoy that snow. That is all for our interview with Julie Holly. I hope that you enjoyed this show as much as I did recording it and that you got some inspiration, motivation, um, some action tips that you can take today to get started or to keep going on your real estate investing career. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening or watching on or click subscribe. I would really appreciate it. The more support that I get that way, the more people I can reach and hopefully people we can inspire to take action. So if you'd like to connect with me, feel free. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Alana George underscore real estate, as well as you can go through the show site, which is obsessedwithrealestateshow.com, where you can submit questions or apply to be a guest on the show. I would love that. I'm always looking to talk to new people with fun stories and uh, success in real estate, right? So also, if you're interested in any future upcoming investment opportunities with me through syndications, please go to clearconnectioncapital.com and I will see you on the next show.